Hello and welcome to Take It or Leave It. It's a Christian podcast to encourage us all to implement real change in our lives based on the teachings of Jesus so that when the rapture occurs, we may all be caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the air. It's about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. I'm your host, Madison Santiago. Thank you so much for tuning in to Take It or Leave It. If you have listened to the last few episodes, you will know that we have been discussing spiritual warfare. We specifically have been discussing Paul's teaching of putting on the full armor of God and how critical it is that you and I put that on. Then you would have also followed along with the teaching when we zoomed in on the breastplate of righteousness. We did have resurrection day, so we had an opportunity to be reminded of that day as well. So I want to go back to zooming in on that breastplate of righteousness. And today it's going to be a very good refresher. And then we're also going to continue to peel back the layers of how critical this piece of the armor is. Amen. So as mentioned, the breastplate of righteousness is so important for spiritual warfare. Why? This is one of the parts of the armor that we discussed getting hit first. This is our face. Do you remember this? It's our spiritual face. This is how I look and how you look when Satan sees us. So specifically, when Satan looks at me, Satan can see my breastplate of righteousness. And this is the indicator of if I'm going to bring the war to Satan or not. So in other words, this is the indicator to Satan if I'm going to be a problem for him. Okay, this is the impression we have and how the demons see us. Now, I don't want to confuse anybody and I want to be clear that we ought to wear all the components of the armor of God, of course. It is not me to pick and choose which ones you need to put on and which ones you don't put on. The word of God is very clear. We need to put on the full armor of God, not a partial armor armor of God. We are just honing in on the breastplate of righteousness, okay? Jesus through Paul says to put on the full armor of God, but it's very important that we understand the breastplate of righteousness, and it's critical that we spend time here today. Amen. I also want to remind you that whenever we learned about the breastplate of righteousness in part one, we pointed out that God did not give us the armor. This is a false teaching If you've heard that God gives you the full armor, God didn't give it to us. We must be responsible. We must have it. And the only way we can have it is if we live it. Many are misled into thinking that they are wearing what God gave them. Yet the demons have authority over so many who think this way because the people don't actually have on the godly armor, but only the one that they imagined for themselves. An unbiblical, ungodly armor right? They think Jesus just gave it to them. And that's not true. These people are struggling in life. This is the same idea of people believe that they are saved because Jesus made a way for salvation. They don't take the time to take the steps to ensure that they can outreach their arms and grab it for themselves. There's an action. There's an action and we must live right. And Jesus is the answer for both of those things. Amen. Today, we will study how we ought to see our lifestyle if we are living right. So we're going to look at what that looks like. If we claim to have the breastplate of righteousness, we ought to live right. And what do I mean by that? 
righteously, right? You cannot have the breastplate of righteousness if you are not righteous, amen? And not a worldly righteous, we're talking about godly righteous. Now, earlier I mentioned that Satan could see the breastplate of righteousness and it is the indicator of if we bring the spiritual war, if we're going to be a problem for him. Likewise, the demons, those under Satan, right? They can also see, amen. We've actually studied a story before in the Bible, of course, that was a good example of when the demons realized that somebody who was trying to have authority over them actually didn't have the authority over them. And what I'm referring to is Acts chapter 19. You can start in verse 11. I'm not going to read the story again, but I do want to encourage you to reread this on your own time. But I'll paraphrase. Some high priests, they went to cast out demons from a man. And when they had arrived, the demons pretty much said, hey, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Why did the demons say that? Because these priests did not have the breastplate of righteousness. They thought that they had authority to cast out these demons, but they were too confident in themselves and they were made to be fools. How? Because the priests ran away naked and wounded, right? The demons just didn't say, I'm not going. They embarrassed them. It was very visible, right? And keep in mind that these high priests were extremely religious. That's why it's so important to get out of religion and into a relationship with Jesus. These priests were praying, right? They were tithing. They were attending church. They were so committed, but just religious. They weren't living it. And look what happened to them. So embarrassed. There are many today that aren't beaten by demons in this way, but they're truly attacked through their whole life. And I want you to know that we can avoid this through obedience and a true relationship with Jesus. Do you remember what the breastplate of righteousness is? At this point, I've said it several times, including the other teaching, this is our spiritual face. Again, I really want to drive this home. This is the indicator of if we bring the war. This is going to tell Satan if we are going to be a problem to him or not. So in the first part of the breastplate of righteousness, we mentioned three sources of righteousness. There's the righteousness of man, which we looked deeper into already. This is invalid righteousness. It's made up righteousness, trash garbage, rubbish, whatever you want to call it, we cannot live by our own righteousness and expect to make it to heaven. And I'm going to say that again. We cannot live by our own righteousness, meaning we cannot continue to decide what is right. We cannot continue to assume and we cannot continue to mold the word of God around our life in such a way where we discredit it, manipulate it, omit certain verses until we meet the standard. Amen. That's what the righteousness of man does. There's also the righteousness of God through man. So the righteousness of God in you and in me, this is something that we want. This is something that we want to live. This is something we want to be evident in us. Amen. And then of course, there's the righteousness of God, just God himself, not me or you, just him. And do you remember what righteous means? We talked about this. We looked it up already using a source derived from theologians and biblical scholars, and we learned that it meant the state of being right, not just right, but ethically moral. Amen. So how can you know if you are living a righteous life? You must understand the standard of righteousness that God made. If you make your own standard, again, which many do today, so many people do today, they deceive themselves. If 
you make your own standard, you will always meet the standard because you're going to lower it so that you can always reach it. If you want to be a holy Christian and not a professing Christian, you need to understand the righteousness of God. And when you look at what it truly means to be righteous, you're going to realize the hard part is not saying no to sin. The hard part is doing the things that God wants you to do. Righteousness is a way of life. It's how you live always moving forward in God's will. Amen. Today, too many are confident that they are living the right life and they speak it constantly. For example, have you ever heard someone say, I know where I'm going. Are you sure? You will find people who are the most sure. These people who are the most sure that they live without fear in the Lord, which means they have no wisdom. Many begin to believe their lifestyle is approved by God because they make this false standard. And I'm not talking about those who have never heard the word of God. I'm talking about those who participate in religion. The Bible is for those who think they are good. Remember this. That's what the Bible is for. It's for us. It's for you and me. So we know if we are really good. If we think we're good, we need to compare ourselves to the standard. And that's the word of God. This is for people who have their Bibles and attend church and pray like the Pharisees. It's for you to know the standard. Jesus uses a parable to help us understand the standard of righteousness. And we're going to read this in Luke chapter 18. And I'm going to start in verse 9. In your Bibles, you're going to see that this is the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. In verse 9, it says, Also he, that's a capital H, so that's Jesus, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. So right off the bat, we understand here that the audience are some people who are too confident in themselves. They are too confident in their salvation that they are righteous. Verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So when we read here that they went up, it doesn't mean they're going upstairs. It means that they walked. It was a long journey to the temple to pray. And we know from the Bible that the Pharisees were so religious, as I mentioned earlier, and the tax collector was a sinner. Throughout the Bible, you will see these symbols, right? The Pharisees are religious, right? We don't want to be religious. And the tax collectors were sinners. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even as this tax collector. Being a tax collector was known as an unjust job. And this Pharisee knew that. And perhaps the Pharisee even pointed to the tax collector who was far off, right? The Pharisee was not in the temple. He was in the distance. And the Pharisee was comparing himself to this tax collector. Verse 12, the Pharisee continued, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Well, isn't it good to fast when we read that in verse 12? That's good, right? Yes, it is. When you get paid, when you get a bonus, any extra money, not cheating or robbing God, it's good and right to tithe. The Pharisee, again, was a man of religion who was to help others understand the Bible. That's what he was supposed to do. And I really want you to keep in mind of how dedicated the Pharisees were. Again, praying three times a day at the temple, every day. Is that wrong? No. You see, religious people can be found in the church. Why do I say this? 
in this example, the Pharisees, they have such a long walk back and forth from the temple. So oftentimes they just decided to stay near the temple. But still, no matter how much time they spent in the temple, the Pharisee clearly did not understand what God taught. And what am I referring to? If the Pharisee understood what God taught, the Pharisee would not have compared himself to a sinner. Was that even fair? And I'll put it this way. The Pharisee compared himself to someone who's not even going to church. He compared himself to someone who was not even educated in the word. So no, it's not a fair comparison. You see, the one who was always reading doesn't understand God here. Can you believe that? Thanking God himself that he is not like them, like sinners. Again, the tax collector did not even attend church. It's like comparing something that's 10 pounds to something that's one pound and saying it's the same, saying it's equal. If we compare ourselves with those who do not know what we know, we're always going to be right. It's again, adjusting the standard. It's like school. You fail a test. And so what do you do? You start asking around to your classmates, hey, did you pass? You're just asking everyone, hoping to find someone who didn't pass. You ask everyone and then you learn that half the class failed. So now you feel better that you failed. And in fact, when you have to tell your parents, you even blame the teacher that they can't teach. And when you tell your parents, you say, well, you know, half the class failed. But we don't want to be compared to those who excelled when we don't. But however, if we are excelling, we love to compare ourselves to those who failed. We always want to be the winner, so we make it happen for ourselves. We're always looking for a win. How can we benefit from this, right? So again, the Pharisee comparing himself to the tax collector is not a fair comparison. So then, is it not a fair judgment? Well, of course not. If it's not a fair comparison, it's not going to be a fair judgment. The Pharisee versus the tax collector is an unrighteous comparison in judgment. I mentioned previously that the tax collector is a big symbol of sin in the Bible. This is like Matthew. He was a tax collector and Zacchaeus, also a tax collector. Why were they sinners? Well, tax collectors forced people to give more than what was due to them. They often manipulated the people and the tax collectors pocketed money for themselves and they lived more comfortable, more rich lives than those that they stole from. And it was very visible. So it was very well known. But let's continue in verse 13 and look at the tax collector in this parable. In verse 13, it says, And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So in the Bible, we know that heaven is up because we learned that Jesus looked up, right? That's how we know that. But the tax collector did not look up. Why? Out of respect. The tax collector knew the life he lived and he didn't want to even look up. Amen. Can we also acknowledge at what a short prayer this is? God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Verse 14, I tell you this man, and again, this is Jesus talking, saying, I tell you this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So the tax collector went on his long journey home. He had more justice than the Pharisee at this point. The tax collector was justified, meaning he was adjusted to the right side of God. His prayer, God have mercy on me. He didn't try to count his deeds unlike the Pharisee or exalt himself or compare himself to someone who appeared to sin more than him. 
He already knew his life. He knew the life that he lived. You cannot earn or pay your way to salvation. When you sin or you live a terrible life, you're stealing from people like this tax collector. You cannot just give more in your tithes and think, I'm justified. I'm now adjusted to the right side of God. Oh no, it doesn't work like that. You must live it. You know, today, if the New Testament could be rewritten, which it can't, but if it could, the Pharisees would be modern day Christians. Today, to be saved, you need to follow Christ, not just say that you are a Christian because not all Christians today follow Christ. Okay? You cannot just say that you are a Christian because not all Christians today follow Christ. The tax collector did not compare or try to convince God or even himself that he sinned less or was good in some areas. We all need to stop the competition with others. We all need to stop this comparison. Let's compare what we learn from God and see if we pass the test. Again, tying it back to what we've been talking about uh, in, in most recent podcasts about working out your own salvation. That's in Philippians. Work it out for yourself. We would have so much more impact and value if we would just compare what we learn from God and see if we pass the test and keep working on passing the tests, right? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can pass the test today. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So the judgment of the tax collector was correct and the Pharisee was wrong. It was the tax collector that declared himself a sinner based on the standard of God. There's no excuses. His declaration was in line with the standard of God. That's why he was justified. He was asking God for mercy. The tax collector compared himself to no other man but to the word according to the righteousness of God. We should all ask ourselves, what is right in the eyes of God? And are we living that? If you are learning the Bible, more is going to be expected of you. You should understand it and live it. When we understand God's word, we confess it and repent for our sins. And from that moment on, we live righteously with our eyes fixated on the Lord Jesus. Amen. I want to take you to 2 Corinthians 10, 12, and this is also Paul. And he says in verse 12, for we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Let's read that again. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves amongst themselves, are not wise. So first of all, Paul's saying, don't you dare. That's serious. Don't you ever do it. It's not wise. So that means you are a fool. If you're not wise, you're a fool. So if you do this, specifically what we just read, you are a fool. Paul says you are a fool because you think that you do not need correction. You compare yourself to Jesus instead. Amen? See the word as the teaching of Jesus. It doesn't matter that Paul said this. This is the word of God. You need to know it and implement it into your life. If your standard is coming from your own opinion and not God's, it's without the standard of God. So that means there's no righteousness in that standard. There's no righteousness in your opinion. That's why if you're conversing with somebody about God, don't say, well, in my opinion, well, I think. No, just say what God thinks. Just say what he says. Amen? Keep the standard there, okay? You are recognized in this life based on how you live. You can be kind today, but if it's not God's standard of kindness, it's unrighteous kindness. 
and the demons see that. The righteousness of God through us should be so obvious to the demons. You can do all the things that the Pharisees did and still not make it to heaven. With what we just read today, the tax collector knew he was a sinner. And today, you and I must know that we were born a sinner. You, me, all of us. None of us were born good. And you must learn the word of God and follow it. And when you do this, you're going to learn of repentance. Coming to the Lord and saying, please forgive me, Lord. Have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I don't want to live this way anymore. But you don't just stop there. You take action. You believe unto righteousness. You live it, right? When we love and fear God, we will do that. Without a doubt, we will do that. You don't let anybody lower the standard of God. And you don't lower it yourself. You don't let anybody tell you that you're not normal, that you're too serious, that you're wasting your time, you're not going to enjoy life. You just continue to live according to the standard of God. Be encouraged. When we have the Holy Spirit, we will live righteously, not according to man, but according to every single word that he says and what he says alone. Will you please help me to share this? Jesus loves us so much. He died for us so that we could have a way to salvation and a way to escape the eternal torment of hell because hell is real and it is awful and it is possible today through repentance and the baptism of the Holy Spirit that you and I can live righteously. Yes, we will be in the flesh. Yes, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I'm saying that when we live a righteous life, he's going to be pleased with us and he's going to show up for us. Jesus Christ is a God of his promise and a true God that you can experience, a true God that you can have a relationship with. And I can testify. I have experienced him. He is real and he shows up for those that he loves and he wants to show up for you. So help me to share this to others. Jesus is coming back soon. And his will is that all of us go to heaven with him. But we know based on the word of God that he's coming to divide. It will be the righteous versus the unrighteous. Amen. Work out your own salvation and look in the mirror and evaluate if you are wearing the full armor of God. Only you know this. Amen. Thank you so much. This is Take It or Leave It. God bless you all.